Welcome back, everybody. It's the Betting Pros College Football Show. I'm your host, Scott Bogman. Follow me on the Twitter at Bogman Sports. I'm joined, as always, by Thor. You can Thor Nystrom. You can follow him on the Twitter at Thor KU. Coming off a big Kansas win. Kansas is one dub away, Thor, from meeting their season win total already. You've got to be pumped by your Jayhawks right now, right? Oh, I was over. I was over the moon. Yeah, especially after earlier in the day, my my Hawkeyes. Well, I went to grad school at Iowa, undergrad at Kansas. My my Hawkeyes. Uh, well, well, let's just not talk about that one. But the Kansas game <laughs> that that brought me all the way back. I, I had fallen into a depressive stupor, and then Kansas goes, you know, into West Virginia and upsets them. What was awesome that that program's on the rise, and I think you're going to be getting your third win for everyone who has the over tickets on Kansas. Yeah, I, it'll come at some point. Maybe, maybe this even week. this week. Yeah, yeah maybe even this could. weekend. We'll see. It could. We'll see. Uh, I know I like the over in that game uh, for sure. But uh, today up on the show, we're going to, of course, talk about the Friday game. Still no Thursday games. Or not. I mean, look, eventually we're going to get it. Maction and Wednesday and Thursday games and all week long. You know, we, we kind of wish in terms of viewing, this could all be like 2020 where there's games every single day, but just not the way it works early in the season. So we're going to get some Friday games. We're going to get some games that are running real heavy in terms of where the cash is. Uh, we're going to go over the top five games and we're going to take a look at some of the games that Thor um, likes the line on. So uh, let's start with the Thursday action here, Thor uh, Louisville uh, on the road or Louisville hosting FSU. Excuse me. FSU is a two point favorite two and a half point favorite um over louisville the total is 56 and a half seems like you like florida state in this game here thor uh what is it about them that makes you uh be on the seminoles here yeah it, it sucks we don't have any thursday games this week but having the two fridays you know and we're getting louisville again we, we saw them last friday they upset ucf coming off of in the first week Louisville had no show that game against Syracuse had just gotten drop kicked. But yeah, last week they do upset UCF in the bounce house and you have to give them respect for that. But neither of those teams looked very good. UCF had a very strange offensive strategy of trying to let John Reese Plumley throw the ball a whole bunch when John Reese Plumley at his last stop, they had converted him to wide receiver. They didn't want him throwing the ball no more. And Gus Melzahn decided that's how he was going to try to beat the, this Louisville team uh, with a better offensive strategy coming from from Florida state and Florida state, I think matches up really well against this Louisville team for reasons we can talk about. I, I would lean Florida state. Uh, my line on that game is, is Florida state uh, by 4.7. So I'm showing a, a little over two points of line value on the Seminoles. Florida state's a buy team for me. Louisville is a sell team. So this is a perfect marriage. I'm going to be on Florida state in that game. Uh, the other team or the other game that we have here, Wyoming against Air Force in Wyoming. Um, Air Force, a 14 and a half point favorite, 46 and a half is the over here. Uh, I know you like Air Force. I'll say this for Wyoming and maybe, you know, uh, Air Force, I believe they're located in Colorado, right? So maybe there's a little bit less of an effect for them going into Wyoming. But Wyoming, one of the best home field advantages in all of football because they are higher than mile high, uh, over 7,000 foot elevation at that stadium a lot of teams come in there and get run out and gassed so how do you see this game playing interesting friday night matchup between wyoming and air force yeah it's funny my my both my my adjusted spread and my adjusted total are almost smack dab on on where you know vegas has them like probably in I, a void then huh yeah so i, I have air force minus 14.2 lines 15 on the total uh 46 and a half live i have uh 44 and a half 
But one interesting thing to note about the the total, I am showing uh, two points under, you know, the, a value of, of uh, two points to the under. Um, one other thing is there's only, let me count quick, there's only eight games this weekend that have, where the forecast is calling for winds above 14 miles an hour. This, this is one of them. Um, mm. And so um, it's, it's actually, I'm sorry. The, the, the stat I said before was correct, but I, I, I need to take it a little bit further. There's only two where, of the totals or two games where the, the projected wind is over 20 miles an hour. Ooh. And this, this game is one of them. So, Have you ever seen a Wyoming wind, uh, wind chime? It's just a chain. That's what they say in Wyoming because there's so much wind there. It's unbelievable. Yeah. You talk about 20 mile per hour wind in a game where my sister, just in a vacuum, even if the weather was perfect, was already, you know, two points under what, what the Vegas total is. We know, I mean, like it, 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 the wind starts to statistically over the data affect offenses when, once it gets over like 12, basically. And 14 is where, you know, you, you start to see, um, the, the, against the spread numbers for the under, uh, you know, start to cash above what, what you would think, uh, statistically 20 is where it starts wreaking havoc on everything. Yeah. We're, we're still several days away. So, you know, f- forecasters are change. Oh th- yeah. yeah, exactly. But I'm learning that moving to Texas Thor, cause living in Arizona, they're just like, Hey, it's going to be hot today. You know, that's pretty <laughs> much the forecast, uh, in Texas. They're like, eh, it might rain. It may not, maybe it'll be windy. We're not sure. Figure it out. You know? So it's much harder than, uh, it is in Arizona for sure. Yeah. You, you got a pace of play thing here where both, neither of these teams plays, they both like to play slow. They, they both want to run the ball. Air force only wants to run the ball. Wyoming is heavily skewed in, in, in that direction as well. So you're going to have a running clock this entire game. And again, enormous amount of wins, which should not affect the run games as much, but it is going to wreak havoc on the passing games. Neither of the passing attacks, Air Force, again, doesn't try to throw the ball a ton. But Wyoming, I think, is going to have a lot of problems trying to do that. So I think they're going to be running the ball even more um, for all these different reasons. The the play in this game, for me, it's it's the under. Yeah. Uh, if you're going to play anything, hit the under on that game. Uh, let's go to the games with a significant amount of cash. Uh, look, um, the over on the S, uh, Florida State at Louisville game, uh, 56 and a half is getting hit up pretty uh pretty big Michigan laying 46 and a half against Yukon uh is getting a decent amount Cincy laying 22 on the road against Miami Ohio is getting a good chunk Coastal Carolina minus 13 and a half versus Buffalo and Old Dominion uh minus nine and a half at uh UVA or I believe they're plus nine and a half at UVA uh, is uh, a big chunk as well. Are there any any of that group? Because there's way more. I just want to start with those five, though. Are there any of those that you like? Um, so I don't know that I'll bet the over in uh, Florida State, Louisville, but I would certainly lean that way. Uh, the the adjusted total that we have on that game is 60 and a half. So you're, did you say that was up to, uh, so it's 56 and a half live. So, so I'm showing basically four points of value on, on the over. I also think, at least Florida State, I'm pretty, you know, we, we talked about that to start, but like the, the reason I'm super confident in Florida State being able to put up some real points in this game is because Louisville's run defense stinks. And the guy that they had signed in the transfer portal to try to address that Jermaine Lowell from Arizona State, he's out for the year. So Louisville is going to, they're going to have all kinds of issues uh, defending Florida State's awesome rushing attack, which both with their 
Florida State's running backs and also, of course, Jordan Travis is great outside the pocket, super duper athletic. Another point on that is Florida State's offensive line has gotten significantly better. Last year, they were somewhere in the hundreds in PFF run blocking grade, like 110 or like something like that. They're up to like 26 or 27 already, despite the fact that they played LSU. LSU has a really good front. For whatever else you think of them, they have a really good defensive front. So Florida State's blocking really well. I, I think they're going to be able to run the ball. That, that over, though, it's probably going to come down to Malik Cunningham, you know, and, and if they can yeah. get anything going through the air. The last game when they played UCF, um, where neither of the teams played very well. Louisville could not throw the ball, which they also couldn't in the first game. So we have not yet seen Louisville throw the ball effectively this year. They, they had lost Harrell over the uh, Tyler Harrell over the offseason to Alabama, brought in that that Hudson kid, and then uh, uh, what was the other kid, Bruce Wiggins or, or whatever, the, the kid with the hyphenated name. Um, they're still working it out with their receiving core. And Malik Cunningham has accuracy issues as is. Yeah, their offense had devolved in the last game to Malik Cunningham scrambling around. So, so if you're betting the over, you have to hope that Louisville is is going to score enough points. But um, if you want to do a parlay in that game of Florida State minus two and a half, and then the over, I would not argue against you. Um, any of those other games: Michigan, Cincinnati, Coastal Carolina, or ODU getting points. You like any of those other ones? I, I'm not on any of them, but the the one interesting one was. Um, the Coastal Carolina Buffalo one, because is that so? Ninety-five percent of the tickets are coming in on Coastal Carolina. Is that what cash? It is? That's cash. Not oh, tickets. okay. Because um, there have been some steam moves earlier in the week on Buffalo. that was as of like late Tuesday night too. So like you know, uh, people will understand the later you get in the week, the more cash, the more tickets. So these these for should sure. change a lot. But early, it is coastal for sure. Yeah, Bogman, I, I forgot what which game we were alluding to in in the the Discord um, that we just did, um, where it's classic pros versus Joe's matchup, and it's just so apparent when you're looking at the discrepancy between the money on the teams and then the ticket, the percentage of tickets bought on both teams. This is the G5 version of that, uh, where the Sharps... Yeah, Syracuse, Purdue on Discord. So. Yeah, yeah, but the Sharps are very clearly on Buffalo in this game, and the, the public is very clearly heavily on Coastal Carolina. And and like the joke I said on there is, I, I want to be on the pro side of that. Yeah. You're going to win more than, than you lose. I probably won't end up betting that one, but I do think it's important to note that the sharp betters are sort of in mass on Buffalo in that game. Uh, the next group of five uh, games that we have here, Minnesota laying 27 and a half versus Colorado has looked pathetic. Very high total on that one. Um, Georgia Tech versus Ole Miss under 64 and a half uh, has got a big chunk. Uh, Wake Forest minus 16 and a half against Liberty. Uh, Washington State versus Colorado State under 53 and a half and Bowling Green versus Marshall under 52. That's got a pretty big chunk. So uh, anyone out of any game out of that group that you like there? I, I can't, I can't bet on that Minnesota Colorado game. Cause that's a fair line. I, my line yeah. is, is right in line with that. It's, it's too close. A, it, yeah. yeah. It's, it, it's too close. Colorado. I mean, like nobody was lower on Colorado than me coming into the season. I've said over <laughs> and over and over again, that Carl Durrell will not make it out of the regular season. He, he is Carl Durrell has entered his last, you know, weeks on the job, maybe month or whatever, but I do not believe that he will, you know, he'll make the 12th game. I think they're going to win one game this year. They're certainly not going to beat the Gophers in Minnesota, but the Gophers, they they're fine just running the ball and letting the clock go if they know that they can control your offense. You saw a little bit of, of this when they played uh, New Mexico State, 
where they knew they weren't in danger at all and they could just hold down New Mexico State's uh, offense. They were just, you know, it's just run, 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 run. You're going to see that here where the the, the result of, of this against the spread, you know, the, the, the against the spread result is going to be, you know, it's going to be dependent on things that are sort of outside of your control, both both Minnesota's prerogative, um, you know, and then and then just do they break any of those runs, you know, or is it or is it just, you know, uh, evaporating the clock or whatever. So so that one's a stay away from me, but I, you will not see me purchase a, a bet on or purchase a ticket on Colorado. That's a lie. I, I have significant money on the under <laughs> under three wins, but that, that was my last Colorado bet of the of the entire year. I think I'm going to cash that one. Um, the Georgia Tech Ole Miss over under that is right around my adjusted total as well. Uh, Sixty four and a half. I, I'm somewhere within like a point of that. So I, I probably won't be touching that one. Um, I, I understand, though, why people are leaning the the under Ole Miss's totals are still a bit inflated because of people's memory of the past offense with Matt. Dart doesn't look quite right yet. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's the big part of it, right? Yeah. They have questions at quarterback. There's been, you know, the, some nagging injuries in the quarterback room already. Uh, the running back room, it seems like they're still <laughs> figuring it out. Zach Evans has, has been getting the usage, but like behind him, it seems like Lane's still trying to figure out like, how do I, I use the guys behind him, different stuff like that. I, I don't love their receiving core yet. It, it does have, uh, some some flash players, but we'll have to see how it ends up coalescing. But but the offense certainly is a is a bit down from where it's been the, the last couple of years, at least a step backwards. Um, and then on the other side, we've seen Georgia Tech's offense enough uh, at this point. Um, now the the question isn't so much like how much are you going to score as how long does, does Sims keep his job? Um, <laughs> so so you might see both these teams doing doing wonky stuff like that. I I probably like if I had to bet it, I probably would bet the under, but I. I just don't see a ton of value on it. I do understand it. The the Wake Forest Liberty game is very interesting to me where, you know, last week we had Wake Forest open as a six and a half point favorite to Vanderbilt. That was before the news of Hartman came out. Then we got the news that Sam Hartman was going to come back. It was very unexpected because we had thought that Hartman was going to be out. Who knows? Maybe even for the whole season, maybe half the season. Nobody thought it was only going to be one game because of the right. way that Wake Forest had presented it to the public. So getting him back, that was sort of shocking. That line had then, you know, toggled way up and, you know, 12 and a half. And I think it ended at 13 and a half, maybe even 14 by kick. I, I'm not sure. They look good against Vanderbilt. So, so you got sort of a proof of concept and a Vanderbilt team that they've improved a little bit, right? Like they're, they're, uh, <laughs> they're semi- better than they have been they're better than let's they have just, been we'll, 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 just, just, say that. we'll, we'll yeah. just leave it at that so so it wasn't like uh running over colorado for instance but and then on the liberty side they're coming off of that upset win over uab um you know one of my favorite plays of last week where i i didn't expect that offense to drop off at all any between losing Charlie Brewer, their starting quarterback, and then the freshman coming in, uh, Salter, because Salter was a dual threat whose game uh, evokes more Malik Willis, whereas Charlie Brewer is is, is the complete opposite of that. That you would like if I had my like if if, this, if you remove the context from all of it, I I would probably lean towards Liberty on that one. The the issue is is last week they had that big upset over UAB. UAB, a team who's won their conference a bunch in recent years, has been one of the, the better G5 teams. You get that upset win. Now you're turning around. Uh, is the effort going to be as good as it was last week? Or is there going to be a slight deflation? Uh, we'll, we'll have to see on that. But that one's probably a stay away for me. Uh, Washington State now coming off of that that big upset I love win. this one. 
Yeah, this, but- this is one of my favorite bets of the week, Thor. This under uh, Washington State has had nothing so far, uh, but really, uh, it's Colorado State that has done nothing. A team in transition, <laughs> moving to a, a heavy pass with a roster that was run heavy. Uh, they had negative rushing yards last week, Thor. Oh and boy. I know- it's the sack yards, but oh, I, I did the math. And if you take away the yardage that they've lost for sacks, they go from 130th to 121st in rush yards. Yeah. They don't they don't take a big jump. So I love the under in this game. This looks we, like Patheticsville. Yeah, we we talk, you know, generally in sports betting, we talk, you know, we talk about the wins and the losses. The the one that really eggs me even more eats at me, even more than losses, it's missed opportunities. Last week, I was showing a 10-point discrepancy between what the Colorado State Middle Tennessee line was and what it actually was. Like, my, my line in that game was like a pick And I think, you know, like, in real life, it was like, you know, Colorado State minus 10 or whatever. Well, but, the problem with that game is depending on Middle Tennessee. You well, yeah. don't want to do that, you know. That's why you didn't take it, right? I, I should, you know, I should have just held my nose and jumped. But I, <laughs> I didn't. Middle Tennessee ends up drop-kicking Colorado State. The takeaway from that is this Colorado State team – is really bad. It's yeah. quite bad. I mean, Middle Tennessee, the reason, like, I was having a really hard time with that was that they had looked so awful in, in in their first game. And I'd been trying to sort of talk myself into some of the stuff with them because they were bringing in an air raid themselves. They seemed to have personnel that, it, you know, that, that would suit it, whatever. Um, but they did not look good in week one. But Colorado State is so bad that it, you know, they, they were able to blow them out uh, on the road. Uh, as far as the over-under, yeah, I, I don't trust the, the Colorado State offense at all. Um, if I was on the under, the one thing I'd be concerned about is that Clay Millen kid throwing pick sixes to, <laughs> to Wazoo. We, we would have to yeah. make sure that they, that he ain't going to throw any of those. But like you mentioned, they they can't run the ball. They do have one legitimate source of offense, but it's only one. It's forcing the ball to Torrey Horton. That kid is really good. He is and good. When he has the ball in his hands, he does damage. So if if I'm Washington State, you know, I, I, I've watched the tape of the first two games. It's, we're doubling them. There, he, <laughs> we're bracketing that guy. He, you know, he, he is going, we're going to be watching him so close. The, the, I think the Dante entire Wright thing. just went in the portal too, didn't he? So yeah, the other uh, one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, yeah, and so. a weird one where you do it after the first couple of games, my adjusted total on the game is 52. So, so it is one point or whatever below the, the, the Vegas one, but we, we've talked about this in some of the past episodes. That's also baking in uh, numbers from last year, stuff like that. This is a reconstituted Colorado state team. That was a bad team that was trying to run the ball outside of when they were forcing uh, the ball to Trey McBride. This is a bad team that throws the their throw first, and then they try to force it to Horton, but they're they're still both awful. They're not going to be a good offense this year. And we saw Washington State last week go into to Madison, Wisconsin, and they beat Wisconsin sort of at Wisconsin's own game. Like you would have yeah. thought, like if, if someone had told me before the game, hey, Thor, guess what? I'm from the future. Uh, Wazoo is about to upset Wisconsin. The first thing I would have done would have been hug them and been like, that's awesome. Thank you for telling me. <laughs> the second thing I, I would have thought, well, it's it's going to ha- Wazoo is going to have to score a, a bunch of points. It's, it's going to be a weird game where like right. Ward gets going and throws for a bunch of stuff. And then, you know, th- they're able to overcome not a the slog. Yeah, exactly. Not, not the slog that it was. And how 
I played you, their game and beat them at it. It was yeah. You know who who feels the best about that is Nakia Watson, transferred from Wisconsin yeah. to Washington State oh, and get, gets to play uh, his old team and get a W. The last five that we have here, Thor, yeah. uh, Memphis by fourteen against Arkansas State, NC State versus Texas Tech over fifty five and a half, Tennessee versus Akron under uh, sixty seven, FAU versus U- UCF, UCF minus nine, and South Florida plus the points twenty four and a half on the road in the swamp against florida um i think these ones are probably harder overall to put your money on than the the ones that i had before is there one that you that stands out above the rest in this group the the memphis arkansas state game uh i you know we talked about this one on on the discord too the the side of it at least where um i i have not bet this game yet but i do lean pretty heavily towards memphis because of the the on-field matchup um uh or sorry, Arkansas State, uh, going back to the, the well, the start of the Butch Jones era last year, they have been not only awful in general on defense, but particularly horrid at allowing explosive plays, both against the run and against the pass. On the other side, the, the Memphis team, I, I don't like a lot of about the Memphis team, and I, I don't like their coach. He, he, may, he may survive in the next year, but I, I don't think he's, like, I don't think he's going to have a super-duper long head coaching career, uh, okay. the, the Silverfield fella. But the one thing that they still do good is generate explosive plays. Um, you know, th- that goes back to their Norvell, the, the other Norvell in college football. But when, when Norvell was there, um, you know, it was all the explosive running plays and stuff like that. And then they would open up explosive passing plays, you know, like Paxton Lynch, you can think about in your mind or uh, who was the kid who was there for 20 years, Brady White or whatever. <laughs> like they, they were able to hit the, the downfield shots and stuff like that. This Memphis team can still get generate explosive plays on offense. So I, I think that they're going to put up a lot of points on Arkansas. The, the the referendum on if that game gets over, um, you got to hope that Arkansas State can do stuff against Memphis's secondary because Arkansas State can't run the ball. They love to throw it, though. They have the Florida State transfer and James Blackman. They have a couple of decent receivers, too. So it's just going to come down to how well that, you know, can they can they chip in 21, 24 points to this thing? Then we're probably getting there. Um, if they get held below that, it's, it's going to be a problem. But I don't love Memphis's defense. So I pro- probably would lean over on that j- the same way that I, I lean uh, Memphis minus the points. All right, let's go to the uh, top five games of the week, the games that everyone wants to watch here. And uh, we're going to start out against number 24, Texas A&M, minus five, hosting Miami. Uh, my The total on this game is 44, Thor. Um, you know, this is... This is a weird game. Miami looked flat, especially in the first half last week. Maybe, you know, big party school, early game, opponent you don't take seriously. I'm going to gonna add up a couple pieces here and say maybe uh, they were tired from the night before. We'll be nice and say it that way. Um, A&M loses at home to App State, pays them a million and a half to come into their uh their stadium and beat them. Uh, best part of the day for me last Saturday, for sure, outside of winning some cash. But uh, what do you think of this game here, Thor? Do you have a lean? Yeah, it was either, it was either my, that or, or um, what I think that was with Miami was just the first two games they haven't played. You know, it's, it was the, the FCS team and then Southern Miss last week. And, and Southern Miss was without their starting quarterback. So Miami knew that all they had to do is just – like the defense could just basically roll out there. Southern Miss wasn't going to score on them. And then Miami could just, you know, do whatever on offense. And uh, Van Dyke made a couple of bad decisions uh, with, with the ball, but you know, they, they still, I mean, we're, we're being kind of nitpicky because they still won. What was it like 31 to seven or 38 to seven or, or, or something like that. 
Um, A&M's performance obviously was, was 30 was, to seven because 30 the spread seven. was 24 and a half. That's, that's why. I oh, that's, oh, okay. So, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, but yeah, as, as far as coming into this game, you have the, the thing with A&M where, you know, of course, last week you lose to Appalachian state A&M did have a, a higher win expectancy. They had like a 65% post game win expectancy. Doesn't really matter with the, the results on the field, but it, it worth noting it, at least, but the beyond the result of that game, I'm concerned about several things on the AM roster. Super concerned about their quarterback play. They do not appear to have a like a legitimate, even you know, solid uh P5 starting quarterback. Uh Haynes King is is not it. Uh Max Johnson, <laughs> uh his former staff did, did, didn't really seem to care that he was leaving. Didn't seem like, like Brian Kelly comes in. Doesn't seem like Brian Kelly was trying too hard to keep Max Johnson there. Um, he's one of the backup options. The only other kid they got, he is a five-star kid, but he's a true freshman just out of high school and it, Connor Wiegman. So they can pull the plug on Haynes King and they're thinking about it because Jimbo Fisher refuses to acknowledge so far who's going to be starting on Saturday. So you might see a new guy, but you know, do you go to Johnson? Do you go to the, you know, the, the green kid, you know, who knows? Um, I, yeah, you, have you go somewhere else. I know that. So I wouldn't start Haynes King again, but that, that's just me. The, the running game, they, they have missed Isaiah Spiller more than I thought they would. Cause I thought between Achain, you know, Achain has been better, was better throughout his career per touch than Spiller. But of course it was on uh, less usage, right? And he would come in and then he would provide explosive plays. He'd be, you could move them all over the place and you get them on the perimeter. He'd, he'd outrun people. One of the fastest players in college football. And I was thinking without Spiller, yeah, Achain's going to have to assume more of the carries, but then you have all these five-star running backs coming in. You can basically piece together as productive a running back room or maybe even more. But right now, so far, it, it has not been that way. Uh, yeah. Achain did have the long kick return touchdown in, in the last game, but like as far as like ha- having to tote the rock and like, you know, kill the clock and, and, and you know, it, it, in instances where you need to let the defense rest on the sidelines, they have struggled with that so far, A&M has. So th- their running game is definitely down. Their passing game is down. And I think their secondary stinks. They, they have not been good against two, well, I, I'm not going to call Appalachian State bad, but your first two games you play an FCS team in Appalachian State and, and you've gotten ripped. Um, you haven't played a P5 team yet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so now, you know, that, that secondary, which hasn't looked so good so far and has been allowing a lot of separation to receivers that were, you know, two-star recruits or three low three-star recruits or maybe even no-star recruits. Now they're going up against Miami, who has a lot of athleticism on the perimeter. They have an NFL prospect at quarterback in, in Tyler Van Dyke, who has a big league arm, should be able to stretch, uh, you know, A&M deep uh, down the field and stuff like that. And then Miami can run the ball now. Uh, Henry Parrish was a great find in the transfer portal. They sort of pilfered him from Lane Kiffin when Lane Kiffin was looking elsewhere, bringing in a bunch of running backs. Parrish has looked great in, in, in you know, it, it, the first few games, I think Miami matches up decently well against AM's defense. That, that would be the thing that would normally concern you. And then on the other side, if, if Miami is, you know, is up, they, they do get up and, and A&M is forced into a position of having to throw Miami's pass rush is really good. It and, is, you know, yeah. you know, I, I, I mentioned that Haynes King and all those, like we, we of course don't believe in them, 
but especially when th- those Miami edge rushers are just allowed to tee off, that is a bad scenario for AM. If you're going to lay this many points on AM, you have to be pretty confident that they're going to jump out to like a double digit lead and then they can just do the, the you know, kill the clock thing. Yeah. Other, other game scripts are not good for laying this many points. My line in this game is only AM minus 1.3. I definitely like Miami. Yeah, uh, I'm uh, I'm with you on Miami. Don't know if I'll take him after they disappointed me last week, but uh, we'll see. Uh, the only other ranked-on-ranked, that was 13 versus 24, Miami versus Texas A&M. The only other ranked-on-ranked matchup we have here is a number 25, Oregon, three-and-a-half-point home favorites against number 12, BYU. The uh, total is 57-and-a-half here. What do you think of this game, Thor? This is, oh man, this is a really hard one to get your finger on for a a couple different reasons. My line, so one of the reasons I was interested in it was because my line was showing uh, real value on BYU. I think it was, I I, so I have BYU minus 1.5, live it's, you know, Oregon minus 3.5. So you're showing like five points of line value theoretically on BYU across the threshold there. Um, And so I am still thinking about betting BYU. I'm not going to be betting on Oregon. Um, Oregon who looked terrible in the opener against Georgia. And then last week they played an FCS team. So it's like, we still don't really know what we have. Cause first game, you play one of the two best teams in the nation. Next game, you don't, you don't play anybody. We'll see what, what we get out of them. Remember they have the new coaching staff. Now they're quarterback by Bo Nix, you know, and stuff like that. So we'll have to see how that plays out. But I, again, I would prefer BYU except for one thing. And this is what has stopped me from betting on this one so far. And the reason why I'm waiting to monitor the status both of their receivers missed last week's game against Baylor. They're, they're top, you know, two guys, Puka Nakua, who not only you give them a bunch of usage in, in the passing game, they also give them a bunch of the, the end arounds and jet sweeps, stuff like that. He's a big part of every offensive game plan that he's a part yeah. of. And then Gunnar Romney. So they are severely compromised at the receiver position. BYU has not updated their status yet. They haven't said one way or the other if they're going to play in this game, if they're not going to play in this game. Annoying. They don't have to, so they're not going to say it. So Exactly. BYU was able to sneak by Baylor without them. They needed overtime to do it, but they were able to outlast Baylor. Can they do it again on the road in Eugene if they don't have either of those guys? That might be a bridge too far coming off the win that they just had. But if you get both those guys back and now all of a sudden Jaron Hall has weapons again, I actually like BYU's talent more than I like Oregon's talent. Like, I, I think this BYU team is really solid, but, you know, Oregon's, a, a, you know, they should be a solid team. So, yeah. like, we'll, we'll just have to see about the status of those two guys. But if I was thinking about betting this game, anyone out there, you got to check on the status of those two BYU receivers first. I still think Oregon could be really good. It's just Georgia is leaps and bounds better than anybody else by a wide For margin, sure. in my opinion. Uh, the other three games, those are the only ranked on ranked games. The other three games that we have uh, that I put on the list in terms of top five, I got um, Washington is a three and a half point home favorite against number 11, Michigan State. The over under is 56 and a half on that one. Auburn uh, against Penn State. Um, Penn State is a road favorite at number 22 at minus three, 46 and a half is the over in that game. So a low total there. And then um, I get, I couldn't really figure out the fifth one. I put number one, Georgia on the road against South Carolina as 24 point road favorites. Uh, 52 is line in that one. I still like Georgia in that game. I think out of this group, that's the one I'm most confident in uh, out of all three of these. Do you have uh, you have a good lean on uh, any of those three games, Thor? Well, the the Michigan State-Washington one is, is really interesting because my line is basically flipped the exact opposite way. Like, I got Michigan State. You got the ranked team favored. Yeah. Yeah. 
And and not only that, so you know, I'm showing value on the Spartans, but not only that, it would seem like the Spartans actually match up pretty decently here. Um, their offensive line is really good. The, the, of course, they lost Kenneth Walker, right? But the, yeah. the offensive line is really good. Again, in fact, I, I'm looking at the, the PFF metrics right now. Uh, right, you know, we're early in the season, so you know, take it with a grain of salt. But Michigan State is right now number one in the country in PFF run blocking grade, and they are way up there in in, in the pass blocking too. They're number 13. Um, so, so they have been able to do it in the trenches. You have experience coming back at, at the quarterback position. They haven't passed the ball as well early on, but you do sort of trust Thorne. We, we've seen them do it. Um, and then Washington, they have their run defense hasn't looked the the you know best so far. at least and you know they haven't been super duper tested by anyone or whatever but in comparison to the opponents that they they were playing I understand the the optimism on Washington for sure um you know going from Jimmy Lake who you know he he wouldn't know offensive football if it hit him in the (laughs) face to now going to Caleb DeBoer who wherever he is gone you know even Indiana or like whatever like he always has the explosive offense or Fresno or like whatever um, so, so I definitely get that. That and now you got Michael Penix, whereas before you didn't trust your quarterback, stuff like that. Now they can move the ball, but this line does seem suspiciously uh, uh, juiced in the favor of Washington. So suspiciously that I have not touched it yet, even though Ooh, I do think okay. that Michigan State matches up well. You know, if you just like look at like that, and then also I'm showing value on them. It's one that I'm going to keep looking handicapping through the end of the week before I make a decision one way or the other, but. A weird line for me. Weird line. All right. Uh, let's go to your leans, Thor. Um, we've got Indiana minus six uh, against WKU. You like the other side of that game. Iowa State is laying 17 and a half against Ohio. That might not be enough. Uh, you like Notre Dame and lay the 10 uh, against Cal. Um, Wisconsin maybe as a huge line against New Mexico State, but they've got nothing. They're minus 37. Uh, Tennessee is minus 47 versus Akron. Maybe that's too much. And Pitt minus 10 at Western Michigan may not be enough, too. Do you have, uh, out of that group of games that you have good leans on, Thor, do you have a couple favorites out of there? For sure. Yeah. Uh, Western Kentucky, uh, they might they might be on the top of the list. My my adjusted lines all the way the other way, you know, where, where I have Western Kentucky favored, even though, you know, the, the line live is Indiana. You said six. Last thing I had seen was, was six and a half. But whatever it is, I, I think in a vacuum, Western Kentucky is probably the, the better team. And I also think that they match up really well here. Um, Because Indiana, the thing that they've stunk at early in the season, it's defending the pass. They allowed Tommy DeVito to rip them up. That you know that that was like the fourth highest uh, passing output total that Tommy DeVito had over over his entire career. Certainly the most that he has had this year. Last week, Indiana plays Idaho at home. Idaho, a team that is now four and nine in the FCS, not FBS, FCS since the start of last season. Idaho was up on them 10, 10 to nothing at halftime. Indiana had to come back to, to win the game, but Idaho's quarterback was doing whatever he wanted to do. He averaged nine yards per pass, threw for three touchdowns. You have to have serious questions about Indiana's ability uh, to defend the pass and their secondary in general. That's what Western Kentucky wants to do is throw the ball. And they want to, they want to spread you as, as, you know, as wide as they possibly can and then just attack spaces, right? Western Kentucky, the, the quarterback's down uh, for sure. You know, Bailey Zappi gone, of course. N- now they have this Austin Reed kid. First two games up from the D2 level, mixed bag, 
you know, I mean, yeah. he, he hasn't been an embarrassment, but mixed bag. Western Kentucky did win both those games. They were both against poor opponents. Um, so, so this is going to be really interesting seeing him play a, a Big Ten defense and, and, and how he does. But he's, he, you know, he averaged like 275 yards a game, even though they were barely throwing, you know, with, you know, once it got to like 20 minutes left, because both of them, like I said, were blowouts so that they were running more at, at the end. But they would seem to match up well there, and especially because Western Kentucky has a really, really good receiving core. Not only at the top, they're loaded there, but all the way down. They have one of the G5's best receiving cores. I, I find it really hard to believe that Indiana is going to be able to go body to, you know, for body with them across the formation. They're secondary against Western Kentucky's receivers. Um, and then again, I, I'm showing line value on Western Kentucky as well. The other thing, sort of sneaky, Western Kentucky's coming off of a bye. Um, yeah. So there, to me, there's a lot of things that are pointing at Western Kentucky. I would definitely lean towards the Hilltoppers. Any other games out of that group that you like? The um, yeah, just quick hitting. Um, I you know I am showing line value theoretically on Iowa State. Uh, my line was 24.7. The the live line is is 17 and a half. But I'm not going to touch that one. Um, I, <laughs> Iowa State just had that you know basically a, a barroom brawl of a game you yeah. know just like they were them and it's i were just in a fo- yeah. in a phone booth just you know rock them sock them with each other and iowa state ends up pulling it out uh, you know all their young players and everything in kinnick stadium so a huge win for them and now you have to turn around and play this ohio team you know like are they really going to take ohio seriously are they are they really going to have the same effort that they did you because of the the you know the the deflation theory you know coming off that last one you have to downgrade Iowa State a bit uh, so I can't touch that one I can also tell you I know sharp money's on Ohio in, in that game so I but I don't want any part of Ohio only getting 17 now so I, so I ain't touching that one I do like Notre Dame minus 10 against Cal I don't care that Buckner's not playing Buckner hadn't even been good <laughs> this year um, yeah. I, I'm not convinced that it's a down. This is going like the Liberty thing with Brewer to Salter. I'm not yeah. convinced that that Notre Dame is downgraded a quarterback from from Buckner to, to Pine. I realized that Buckner was was the much higher uh, Ballyhood kind of recruit, but Pine is more like uh, he he he'll, he'll evoke Ian Book a little bit more. I think you know he's sort of a, <laughs> a, a pine sized guy, but he makes smart decisions. I, I think he has a three to uh, one career TD INT ratio, whereas Buckner is throwing. A decent amount more interceptions and touchdowns at this point, I, I think. You don't get the, quite the arm strength or or the athleticism, of course, with, with Pine, but I think he can do a better job of just keeping the offense within the rails. And hopefully, then the coaching staff can have a more um, definitive kind of uh, uh, game plan uh, heading into those games because it seemed like they wanted Buckner to do way too much too, even though he hadn't proven anything yet. Like he, he was getting a lot of the rushing usage as well, and, and yada yada. I, I didn't love that, so I, I think you know th- there's a, a theory here where. Uh, Notre Dame is, you don't want to say better off, but where they're not going to drop off like people think they're going to, are yeah. going to. And I don't like Cal either. Cal's beating an FCS team. They only beat UNLV last week by six. So I'm kind of confused that they're getting uh, that much credit. They bow up and play well, but when they do, it's usually against another Pac-12 opponent. It's not, you know, it ain't going to be Notre Dame. I, I think I'm with you uh, in this game too. But Thor, we did it. I think we're ready. Uh, for week three now remember you can follow him on the twitter at thor ku and please thor once again remind everyone about the schedule uh lay everyone lay it out for everybody so i know where to find all your great work on betting pros yeah uh check out my my show on sundays with thomas where we go over the the lines like right when they come out you know like the, the vegas line against against my numbers for for the coming week gives you buying opportunities there you know games you can get in on early and then get you know a big uh line discount you know in comparison to what it'll be on on the saturday uh, of course, uh, me and my friend Bogman over here, we this show and then also we we do a discord immediately before it, which is at 
5 p.m. Eastern, I think, on Wednesday nights. And that's nights. free that for right? anybody. Yeah. Free for anybody. Uh, Wednesday, just if you can come and sign up and be a part of the Betting Pros Discord and for anybody. Uh, you don't have to be a premium subscriber, and you can jump in there and talk to us. We would love to answer your questions, so please uh, come join us. It's a lot of fun. We had some great questions today. We so did. I, yeah, yeah. It, was, it, it was good stuff. And, yeah, people should definitely check that out because we're there for an hour. We're live, and we, we will answer literally every question that people have. Like if, if you put your hand up, we will call you up and, and we will answer your question. So so definitely check that out. I have the the kickoff show with Mike Farrell on Saturday mornings at 10 p.m. East. I try to put the times into Eastern and or 10, 10 a.m. Eastern, um, where we go for 90 straight minutes, breaking down as many games as we possibly can, sides, totals, props, the, the whole deal. Um, and then coming out uh, later this week, in fact, I'm going to be submitting it here in the next hour, is my top 10 favorite bets for the weekend. So check that out on Betting Pros. Awesome. And you can find me, of course, here with Thor uh, every single Wednesday, like we talked about on the Discord. Uh, I believe the show uh, comes out on Thursdays as well. So check us out here. And uh, I'm doing IDP with Joe P. Zapia right now. That comes out on Thursday as well for Fantasy Pros. And I will be on there every Wednesday night doing Stages After Dark on the Fantasy Pros discord uh and cfb winning edge with nick and xavier talks with college football of course all my uh fantasy stuff over at in this league as well with the welsh so at bogman sports you can find all the great stuff i'm doing over there it's a lot of fun uh and uh enjoy it and we will see you guys good luck in week three we will see you next week take it easy everybody